live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Number two of the sports huddle underway for a Tuesday afternoon at 5.02. Bob Black with you here. Matt Josephs has left the building. At least I guess he's left the building. I was never in the building. Has he left the building, AJ? Kind of. He's gone now. Okay. He was just leaving the building. I'm not in the building today, hosting remotely. AJ, of course, is in the building. He runs the building at this point, at least in the afternoons. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All the bosses are here, legit. All of them. Are they really? let's, Let's not say that. Wow. Eh. It's a rare moment where everyone everyone yeah. was here today. I don't know what's happening. Maybe I'm getting fired. No, you're not. Over my on-the-air body, you're not getting fired. I can tell you that. What do you think this is? ESPN? Oh, we are ESPN. Oh, oh. the bosses are here, Bob. <laughs> Chill. I miss them. I should have come in. If I'd gotten the memo, I would have been there. I love coming in. As you know, on Thursdays, every week we are in on Thursdays. And we could squeeze in another day if we were asked to do so. Uh, But the commute is pretty good from uh, the home studio to the kitchen uh, for dinner (laughs) as opposed to the 25 or 30-minute ride uh, from the studio. So that's kind of why we do it. But anyway, uh, 804-327-0888 is the number to get on the air. I'll go to the phones here in just a moment. That's also our text line, 327-0888. I'm going to get a little baseball this hour. You know, I haven't had my baseball fix in a while here because college football and the NFL has consumed us, and well, it should. I mean, start of the season, very exciting, great college weekend this past weekend, uh, all the NFL, so it, it has. But, hey, look, we're down to the last week of the regular season. For the majority of teams, it's meaningless. For a handful of teams, it's not. Uh, going to talk about all of that as as we move along here in the 5 o'clock hour. Just because I haven't had my baseball fix, which means you all probably haven't had yours because I haven't been talking about it very much for the last couple of weeks, and, and I missed some of that conversation. Uh, let's go to the phones before I get into the baseball stuff. Reggie, good afternoon. How are you? Great interview, young man, with Damian Woody. And I had to say, class act. We got to ask the brother about the piano, but everything else was oh, good. Did a great I interview forgot. with him. <laughs> you should have, you should have texted okay. me, Reggie. You should have. Uh, no, you mentioned no, that no. yesterday, yeah. and I, that's on me. Uh, my bad. Nah, yeah. nah, you did a great job. And like I said, he, the brother had a plan. Found those um, cheeseburgers after the game. <laughs> but that whole office line they had, man, they probably went broke at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> I know those cheeseburgers. Uh-huh. I'm with you. Yeah. That must have been some yeah, fun times. But, that must have been some fun Friday nights in Ashland, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, I think they won the state championship at City Stadium. I, they I did. Believe That's they absolutely that right. Game. Yeah, They absolutely yeah, did. I, you, you are correct. Yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, Bob, we've already beat on Virginia, so you're squatting Virginia Tech in that coaching situation. Now, I need your help with something. Maybe your producer can help me. Now, we see Coach Frank Beamer's son doing a pretty good job at South Carolina, wouldn't you say, right now? I, I, absolutely. Absolutely would, oh. yes. Okay, now, Bud Foster was a defensive coordinator and at one time seemed to be the coach in waiting. If your memory serves you right, what was the problem why they didn't – really want to hire Bud Foster in the follow-up, if I may. I don't know the answer to that, Reggie. I, I'm pretty sure he was interviewed 
And for whatever reason, much to my conversation with Matt Josephs about if the commanders make a change, they're going to totally go out of house. I just like I don't think it'll be Eric Bieniemy. I just wonder if Whit Babcock, who was as the athletic director, had that kind of thinking as well that he now he didn't entirely well he did go out of the family the first time right because he hired Justin Fuente yeah. so he totally went outside of the outside of the family realm and I, I guess at that point they were separated enough that Bud Foster didn't make a whole lot of sense. And I think Bud might've been done coaching by the time they went and hired Brent Pry. So I think if they were going to do it, what I'm saying, if they were going to do it, they would have done it when Fuente was hired and they would have just kept it all in the family and let Foster take over. So yeah. I don't know why that one didn't happen. I don't know if he did an interview. Well, I don't know if he had demands that they didn't want to meet. I, I, I really don't know why it didn't happen back then at all. I don't. Well, it seems like I had a conversation with some friends of mine. And it seems to set the tech program back because a lot of high schools, I guess, coaches were too thrilled when Fuentes came in, I believe, from Memphis State. I mean, from Memphis. I think he was coaching there. Yep. And it seemed like he really didn't cultivate those um, local um, coaches where they really didn't reach out to him or he didn't reach out to them. Yep. It seemed like there was a disconnect there. And let's remember, he kept uh, Foster on the staff. I think that was part of the deal, which I also think was a little force-fed, right? That I, I think that was part of the deal. Mm-hmm. The Fuente came in, and he was going to keep. He'd have to keep Bud Foster as his defensive coordinator, and you know that that's a tough thing. That's a tough thing when you don't have total control over who you hire as your assistants. Right. So you think when uh, Coach Beamer's son wanted to kind of make his own way, that he didn't want to follow his father's footsteps, or you think more resources were given to him? At South Carolina. Yeah, I don't think at the time he stepped down that he was probably ripe and ready to be a head coach at Virginia Tech. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think he needed a little more seasoning at that point, but uh, he's doing fine. I guess I'm looking at him right. They're they're two and two this year, but they've they've been competitive. They've been to bowl games. Uh, I think he's in a good spot there at South Carolina. Now he's also in a division that includes Georgia, so I don't know that he's ever going to win that division. But he can still do yeah. pre- he can still do pretty good things there. I think. Uh, as long as they don't have a helmet, uh, manage all t- hit on top of the head. I don't know who I did that was. <laughs> he gave the poor man a concussion. Yeah. <laughs> man, he got cracked across the yeah. skull. But, but, you know, Bob, it's going to be a dearest day when your Richmond Spiders play against Hampton. Because every time when Coach Ray Tate, God bless him, I love that man to death. He said, Reggie, we got you, boy. We got you. We got you, Reggie. We got you, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it well, was when Hampton played. Um, Richmond down to Hampton in the playoffs. Yep. And I had to give Richmond credit to ease up on them. But they could have really put the pedal to the metal. And the guys said, no, nah, it's the game. We're not going to do that. So I yep. had great respect for Hampton. I mean, well, for Richmond that, and their football program. And that kind of happened last year, too, because Richmond handled them pretty well down there at Hampton last season. I think it was... I don't know. I haven't started to do a whole lot of research yet, but I think if I, my memory serves me, it's like 41 to 10, something like that down there at Hampton uh, last year. Might be a different story. Uh, this year might be a little bit more competitive, although both sides, Reggie, they have some things going on. Uh, you know, Hampton's yeah. got this uh, eligibility issue with some of its student athletes academically that may or may not be playing, and Richmond's got all these injuries, <laughs> including a quarterback. So um, no comment. You know, I have no comment at all. <laughs> no I don't comment. know. 
don't know what's happening down. If you can, if you can shed some light nope. on it, please do because everybody, nope. understandably, has been tight-lipped down there. John O'Connor is asked. I asked. They're they're not saying anything about it, which I understand. I ain't saying nothing. Nope. I ain't saying nothing. So do you know something, uh-uh. Rich? Huh? Huh? Do you know something? I, I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. Oh, I thought I could get some I'm scoop here out nothing. of some intel nope. out of you. Nope. All right. No, sir. All right. I took a I took a call to the HBCU. Nope. <laughs> well, look, I, I got a two deep in front of me, and I, I hope those are the guys that are playing for him. Let's put it that way. All right. Like when I show I up on no Saturday, I, I don't want I don't want half of this two deep to be like, oh, we're not playing. Although I think the one thing they did say it's a handful of guys. Like I think they said it's under eight. I don't know why they use that as the number. Maybe it means it's seven, but. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Come Saturday, and we'll see who's who's a quarterback for Richmond come Saturday too. I'm not telling you that, then, yeah. Reggie. I'm not telling you who Richmond's quarterback is if you're not telling me who's <laughs> not playing for Hampton. How about that? Of course, I don't uh, know who's going to be no Richmond's comment. quarterback, so I can't. I can't. <laughs> you tell do, you that Bob. Either. You know. No, you I don't. Know. You just not I do well, not what's know. What's the line on the game, AJ? What, what's oh, the no, you know what's I'm not the going game? there. You know I'm not going there. Come on. He's not allowed. I'm not allowed. I can no. look at it. I, it's like, you know, I can. Well, you I can, can look at it. Tell nope. the brother what's the line on the game. As what? his producer, I'm Mitchell supposed to make seven. sure he doesn't look at any of it. Exactly. I don't know what the line is. Well, I would I would bet, ha-ha, there's my pun, that it's Richmond by double figures. <laughs> I'll bet it's Richmond by double yeah. figures. Matt will have it at the end of the week. Put, but I think by Friday, <laughs> Matt Josephs, he'll, he'll have a line on that game for you. Hey, just don't put 70 on him. Don't do that. Don't put 70 <laughs> points on it. <him. laughs> well, you know, uh, I just want to win, Reg. Just want to win. That's all. Hey, no problem. Uh, Appreciate uh, it, young man. Thanks, Thank Reggie. You, Appreciate you. Oh, I'm, thanks, thanks, Reggie. I'm sorry I missed uh, uh, I'm sorry I missed uh, the question about I guess Damian Woody plays the piano. Plays it pretty well. Yeah, you uh, got all the questions in. It's it, we we were all one. we were all praising you for like thirty yeah. minutes, and then leave it to Reggie to come in and and pick the one uh, chink of the armor. Yeah, and and you know what he 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 reminded me about it yesterday. So so did I forgot you then, too. Yeah. But you texted me to remind me to ask him about it today. Although I was going to the, the Bill Belichick question was on the tip of my tongue when you texted me. So we were we were on the same page. He's now. a talented cat, that Damian Woody. He, he is, and I. You know, the one thing Reggie said that kind of slid by that I think is the most impressive thing is he had a plan. He he had a plan while he was still a player for what he was going to do when he was no longer a player. And I, I would say there are probably more players than not that don't have a plan for what they're going to do post-retirement. And I, he did. I enjoy him on, on the shows and whatnot. I wanted to play the clip where he was doing a combine coverage and was bench pressing a person. Like a whole person in the that. studio. Yeah. It was great. Yes. And I mean, while the guy wasn't the biggest dude, he, he looked about 100 and maybe 75, 80 pounds. And That's I'm going to tell good. you right now, a 170 pound man feels like a 260 in pushing weight. That's about my size, actually. He could have lifted me up and down. I think I can bench press you, Bob. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's not find out. Nope. Uh, I'll wind up concussed if that happens. No. <laughs> yes. I, you would drop me right on the studio console. Probably, or in the hallway or something. All right. Hey, I didn't get to my baseball talk in this first segment, so let's tell you if I'm going to get to it in any of the remaining three segments of this afternoon's Sports Huddle. These are this afternoon's top sports stories. I'm sure he'll be fascinated by all the uh, stories you have to tell. This is today's Drive Home Headlines. 
Drive Home Headlines brought to you by James River Air, our good friends. If you're not happy with your heating and cooling system, give them a call. Call James River Air for a free in-home consultation or check them out online at jamesriverair.com. All right, a little baseball talk when we come back in the next segment because uh, we are wide open, and wherever else you'd like to lead us is fine, 804-327-0888. That's also our text line, 327-0888. Uh, there was, I think, I remember scanning just a little bit of day baseball today. You know, I love to give those scores. Don't have much more time to do that just this week. And then, you know, when there's day baseball playoff games, we're going to be carrying them. So we won't even be on the air. Rockies lead the Dodgers. You talk about one of the more meaningless games of the season there's one right there rockies lead the dodgers three to one that's in the middle of the seventh i guess the dodgers let me look at something real quick they might have maybe an outside shot to still catch the braves for the best record four and three Uh, how many games left well about six and they're three and a half back so they still would mathematically have a shot at that That no i don't think so either braves have hit 100 Dodgers are at 96, so that's a difference of four, and the Dodgers have lost three more than the Braves. That's three, so that's seven divided by two. See, I'm doing this math. AJ, you know, if my teachers, when I was growing up in math, did everything in terms of baseball statistics, I would have been an A-plus math student, but they didn't do that, and I wasn't an A-plus math student. But anyway, three and a half is what the Dodgers are back of the Braves for the top record in baseball and and importantly in the National League at, at this point. I don't think they can catch them either. And they're, they're you know, obviously not not all that into it as it is, and they're losing to the Rockies today, three to one in the bottom of the seventh. Kind of neat, last week of the season, Nationals and Orioles uh, are playing in Baltimore at Camden Yards to start this final weekend of the season. And again, the Orioles uh, close to wrapping up the American League East. What a great story. That's one of the best stories in baseball this year, I would say. And the Orioles have an outside shot at 100. They need three more wins. That's amazing. They were, what, a 100-loss team two years ago, three years ago? I got a little confused with the pandemic year, so somewhere in there. I've been vicariously uh, watching through a friend of mine who's a diehard Orioles fan. Really impressive. Yeah, two years ago, right? I think they yeah, lost no, 100. they've they've because I think it was last year, or the year before, I was focusing on their farm league. I wasn't even really paying attention too much to the league, but I was focusing on their farm league because I like what I saw. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so they've been they they had a good last year, correct? Uh, yes, they were good last year, and you could see it coming. And then you know they did like we keep saying they did it the right way with the yeah. with the guys in their farm system, and then they got better and slowly a little better, and now they're really good. Uh, so they have a two-and-a-half game lead on Tampa Bay to win the East. So their magic number is four. Any yeah, combination of four Oriole wins and Tampa Bay losses. Those Rays keep keep making it interesting. Yep. They, they keep winning and then losing and then winning and then losing. Yep, and and they got to be a little frustrated. I mean, they started the year 13-0. and Nobody thought anybody was going to catch them. And then they cooled off and the Orioles got hot. So kudos to the Orioles. Um, you know, that that is one of the best team stories of the year. Like, I'm looking through the standings. Real quick, I don't know that there's another, you know, there are some individual stories that, you know, obviously have taken some headlines, but I don't think there's a better story than Baltimore. Well, in reverse, the Pirates, that's been Well, and you know what? They look like they could have given Baltimore a run for best story of the year at the beginning of the season. They were really good the first couple of months of the year, and then, you know, the, the talent ran out, the depth ran out, and they've had, an, for them, they've had an okay year. You know, they're eight games under 500. No one's going to really remember it. 
And hopefully they're a little more than eight under 500 because they're playing the Phillies. We thought that was going to be the story, though. Yes, I did. Yep, you're absolutely right. I thought Pittsburgh was the feel-good story of the National League and Baltimore was the feel-good story of the American League. And I'm not sure there really is a feel-good story in the National League, right? I mean, the Braves are doing what the Braves do. The Mets Um, are a whopping game and a half up over the Nationals, Bob. I don't know if you've been paying attention. Well, if the Nats can get hot this week, there would be your feel-good story. If they could could leapfrog Uh, the Mets and not finish in last place, that would be... A feel-good story I'll, for the Washington Nationals. I'll say this. You, you've been very quiet about this 8-2 and two run the Phillies have been on. Um, and they've won five in a row. That's good, like I said, because we just haven't talked about it. We haven't talked baseball for the last couple of – but I, I, I've said all year this Philly team is frustrating but exciting and talented and fun to watch. They're, they're going to win their first their first series, I'm telling you. You, oh, I think so. You're so gun sh- That's the first excited thing I've heard you say about the Phillies in a month and a half. Well, you were so afraid to jinx this. Yeah, well, that because they're so frustrating to watch. Like, they, they, they. I don't know. But, but I. What, what I said was they have the. Ten, they are built for the postseason. They are built for a short period of time in which all their stars align, literally and figuratively. They play like stars, and they've shown signs of that here down the stretch, which also is also encouraging. But I do think they're built for October. They showed it last year. But if they can get all their stars, Schwarber and Turner and Castellanos and Harper and Real Muto on the same page at the same time, I'm not sure I'd want to be playing them. And I'll say this for the Braves, as great as they are, their pitching is showing some chinks in the armor. Use that phrase earlier. They got some injuries to some pitching, um, but they're going to they're gonna win some playoff games just by – hitting the ball all over the place and out of the ballpark. It's so. going to be interesting. It'll be fun. Baseball playoffs begin a week from today, as a matter of fact, with the wild card round begins next Tuesday. All right. Ha, huh, I got my baseball in there. Uh, take a break. I have two more baseball things I do want to actually bring up, which I'll do on the other side of the timeout. Just about 20 after 5, Sports Auto 1061 ESPN. Last season came to an abrupt end for your favorite squad in the NL East. This year's Brave squad is poised to rectify the past and bring home a second World Series title in three years. Hear every moment with us here on your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves in Richmond. 1061 ESP. Okay, so I mentioned there that the baseball playoffs start a week from today, next Tuesday. So you know what that makes next Monday. That would be a Black Monday, right? There's Black Monday in the NFL the day after the season ends on Monday when coaches get fired. Same thing happens in Major League Baseball. There will be Black Monday, if not before. Sometimes they do it even the weekend and get it done. Um, But Monday would be Black Monday in baseball, and we'll see what managers – are out the door and AJ I would start with uh both New York teams have got to be on that list right I would think Buck Showalter with the Mets probably a little bit on the hot seat there and Aaron Boone certainly with the Yankees is in that situation so by Monday you might want to keep your eye on the New York Post or the New York Daily News or something not not the New York Times because they don't have a sports section anymore but, uh, the both, Times doesn't have a sports section nope, anymore? you didn't hear it. We talked about that a few the weeks ago. The New York ago. Times. I, Correct. New York uh, Times no longer has a local sports section. They just, you know, pick up stories off of the services. Yep. That's yep. 
That's blasphemy. Bad. Yes, it is. Well, so I anyway. will tell you, there's there's eight million four hundred sixty eight people who agree with you, Bob, about oh. that assessment in New York. About the times or about the managers? About all of it. <laughs> uh, it'd be interesting to see. I, I, the Aaron Boone one will fascinate me. In in normal times, the Yankees would make a move, right? When George Steinbrenner was still alive and running that team, Aaron Boone would probably be gone by now. Uh, but who knows what they're going to do this this time around. And then, you know, Showalter in New York, he's one of those you thought was the right guy. Good baseball man. Has done it before. Uh, he actually endured the Orioles when they were really bad, but you knew that that young talent was coming. He was kind of the setup guy there, so he, I kind of feel for him a little bit. And then he went and lost even more uh, with the Mets, even though they signed all those guys for millions and millions, and then they've gotten rid of, gotten rid of all of them. So those two would be on my list of managers, you know, who it could be a Black Monday for Alex Cora in Boston. I, I don't think so. I think he's popular enough there that he he could survive a losing season. Now it's going to be a last place losing season, but I think he could survive there in the let's see in the American League Central. Boy, you got the White Sox and the Royals. Uh, they could certainly make moves there. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt Cotrero at Kansas City, and uh, heck, who's the guy with the White Sox? Pedro Grafol. Uh, yeah, you, you could you could see some some changes going there. I'll go to the phones here in a second. I'm just looking down the list. Phil Nevin with the Angels. I'd say he's on the hot seat. Who knows what Shohei Otani's going to do? Uh, Mike Trout could be on his way out. They are one of the more underachieving teams in baseball. So I think that's a, another one in the American League. Oakland with all their issues. They're just bad. But what the manager's not going to make a difference there. Mark Kotze probably hangs on there. They're not going to care in Oakland. They're moving to, to Las Vegas anyway. Uh, National League, I would say uh, Oliver Marmol at St. Louis. And Bob Melvin, Bob Melvin will be all right. He, he's just gotten there. Veteran guy, very highly thought of. But, man, the Padres were underachievers this year. We know Dave Martinez is back. They've already said that in Washington. I think that's a good thing. I'll tell you the one. Uh, you're going to th- you think this is kind of uh, odd. And I think they're going to make the playoffs, so it probably won't happen. But for whatever reason, I don't think Arizona is overly crazy about Tori Lovello. Now, I remember Tori Lovello as a minor league baseball player when I was doing minor league baseball broadcasting. And he was a great guy, very conversationalist, which you need to be in this day and age as a manager. You need to know the game, which he seemed to know even back in his playing days. Uh, and, and look, they're eight games over 500. They're probably going to make the postseason. They were the number two wild card team. I think they've dipped into a tie with the Cubs. So I think they're going to make the postseason. And uh, probably if they do that, he might be safe. But I'll tell you what, if Miami catches them and and they wind up out, uh, that that would be one that would not surprise me if Tori Lavallo is out at Arizona. Anyway, be looking for that. Black Monday coming at the close of the Major League Baseball season, which ends this coming uh, Sunday. All right, before we get to the bottom of the hour of the break, let's go to the phones. Uh, 804-327-0888. Hello, Roger. Hello. It would be a terrible move by the Mets if they fire Buck Walter. Why do you and say I'm that? And I want to tell you, because if Edwin Diaz mm-hmm. did not get hurt, yep, that would he probably would have saved anywhere from 25 to 30 games. Wow. 
Then Agreed. you would have kept you would have kept Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. You would have kept Max Scherzer. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't blame the manager because of injuries. I'm can't. with you on that and, one. I th- I think Showalter's a good baseball guy, and I think he's a tough baseball guy who is tough enough uh, to to survive and succeed in the Big Apple. My, I was sitting here trying to think who we would even get. Well, yeah, exactly. Pl- Who's yeah. out there? Uh, and then plenty someone, of names out there. But then someone that's going to have the patience to deal with a young ball club. Yeah. Because go they back brought up a lot young, of young right. guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, so um, I, I think it would be a terrible move by the Mets. Yeah, I agree. Our front office has has been a lot of the problem, but I expected Buck to manage this a little better. I, I get the injuries, well, I get everything that was going on, but I mean, we still got some talent on that team. Yeah, but we have no relief pitches. Our nope. relief pitching has blown more games. Yeah, but so, yeah, I mean, really, did that don't. Can you name it a reliever right now? <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, no, um, I, I, and, that, and that's the key. That's the key right there. Middle relief. Now, yeah. I, 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 I like the move that we did sign Verlander um, to get him. But, you know, when you think about it, you're paying Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander a lot of money to go pitch five, six innings, and that's it. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's six inning pitchers. Yep. I agree with you. The injuries really hurt, and obviously it started with the World Baseball Classic injury, and it just never got any better for them. But I, I'm, I yeah. would keep I would keep Showalter. I think there'll probably be a change in pinstripes in New York, uh, but I, I think Showalter will probably be safe with the Mets. Well, I hope so. I really uh, do. Hey, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question, Roger. Since you brought up his name, and I'm just really intrigued by this, and I was going to bring this up anyway. Justin Verlander, right? He's gone back to the Astros, a team that wins a lot of uh-huh. games. He won last night in, a, in an important game for them to make sure they get in the postseason. A great game, eight innings, three hits, and an earned run with a walk and eight strikeouts. So he's still got it at 40 years old, still going. Roger, he is at 256. Wins at forty years old. Can he get to three hundred? Right. Can he get to three hundred? If he stays with Houston, I would say, yeah. <laughs> I would say, yeah. <laughs> so yes. he's forty-four yeah. away. So basically, he needs you know fifteen wins a year for three years, right? So he'd be pitching until yeah, he's I, forty-three, which is you know it's it's doable, I think. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. You know, like I say, he's a six-inning pitcher. And then with Houston, with the, I mean, their offense is a lot better than the Mets. So, you know, he probably could, when he leaves the game, it'll be like a 7-2 game or something like that. And, um, you know, they have better relief pitching than the Mets have. Yep. Every yep. Verlander nowadays, win is a stab in my heart. <laughs> yes. Well, one thing that hurt Verlander with the Mets, he was hurt during exhibition season. He, he yeah, did not get training. his pitches yep. in. Right, spring training. He was hurt. So it probably took him a good seven to eight starts to get back into major league groove. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, going to the next league, you know, the American League also. Yep. 
And look, uh, Roger, I'm looking at his numbers. Like, his numbers weren't terrible. That's what I'm saying. Even when they traded him. Like, he was 6-5, and five, and that's more a byproduct of the players around him. But his ERA was 3.15. That's pretty darn good, Did, actually. Didn't he win his first two games after he left? With the Astros? Yeah. Probably. It, I don't remember. Oh, my God, it's so frustrating. <laughs> I know. Trust me, I know. <laughs> oh, like I, I said, you. The last two weeks, every time the Mets win a game, I go check the wild card stand and see if we got a shot. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's tough. That's a diehard fan. Yeah, that just earned respect, Roger. That earned respect. Good stuff. All right, my friend. Thanks. Right. Appreciate it. Take care. Uh, right, I think we're on the same page on Show Walter uh, hanging around there. And I'll be intrigued. I think Verlander really wants to do this. I don't know if he'd come out and say it. I just think he's got that persona that he would love to give a shot at getting to 300. Because I don't think there's going to be another one for a long time that gets the 300 wins. So he needs 44. Obviously, postseason games don't count. And he's likely to uh, pitch in the postseason, assuming the Astros get there. Um, but he needs 44 in the next, what I would say, three years. I don't think he'd pitch much more than being 43, maybe 44. And if he stays with the Astros and he's healthy, I think he could get there. He had a couple of years that, that really hurt him. Like in 2020, right, that's when he got hurt. And he missed all of 20 and 21 and didn't come back until 22. So that if he yeah. still does it doing that, that's, um, you know, that's pretty impressive. If, if he can – he can have missed that time and do it. That's that'd be amazing. Needs forty four to get there, and he won last night. Pitch and he pitched great last night. He actually went longer than he has all year. He went eight innings last night in their win at uh, at Seattle. I know he looks right. good. It's ridiculous, and he'll play for another couple of years. <laughs> I think so. I think he has two or three years in him. He keeps himself in great shape. Um, you can go ahead and say it. Kate Upton is his inspiration, right? I mean, she's mine too. <laughs> And on that note, we take a break on the Sports Huddle 1061 ESPN. And spiders? Well, you've got them. 1061 ESPN is your exclusive radio home for all things Spiders athletics in the River City all year long. college football talk through this segment. Now I've kind of gotten the baseball out of my system a little bit. Um, saw this on Twitter and just looked it up. I know it was correct, at least for once it was. The ACC, which has been much maligned uh, from time to time and oftentimes when it comes to college football. The blue blood thing, huh? What do you mean the blue blood thing? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. No, you did. You didn't interrupt my flow. I meant, what, what's the blue blood thing? I saw, what? I saw a thing. I think it was Friday that all the blue bloods were undefeated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it's actually more. Well, those are the the blue bloods from basketball. Actually, are part of this. That's what I meant. The blue, the, only the one basketball the, blue bloods are undefeated. Uh, undefeated. You're at, that's you got it, AJ. That's not interrupting when you when you come up with something as good as that. But here's what it is. So, if I told you that Carolina and Duke and Louisville were undefeated, you'd think I was talking basketball, right? Men's basketball, for uh-huh. sure. Um, and then you throw Florida State into the mix. Now, they're more a blue blood in football than they are in basketball, um, and they're unbeaten. So the ACC, a quarter of the way through the season, uh, maybe even a little more than that, maybe a third of the way 
through the season, uh, if you just go regular season, they have four teams that are still 4-0, and right? One, two, three. No, they have six teams that are still 4-0. and and, and I don't know the last time that that's happened. And as A.J. said, just Duke and Carolina. That's what you were getting at, right? Just Duke and Carolina. Yeah. No, I, I don't remember if I saw it Saturday or Sunday, but I saw all of them were undefeated. Yeah, probably Sunday after after the games were played, right? But just Duke and Carolina, the Blue Bloods of college basketball, two of the Blue Bloods of college basketball. It's been 52 years since both of them were 4-0. To start the season and I thought I saw a number just on the ACC itself but they still have six teams that are four and oh that are unbeaten Florida State Louisville Duke Carolina Miami Caesar Miami four and oh you whipped up on Temple and my orange and Matt's orange Syracuse is four and oh as well so that's that's pretty cool for the ACC and if you want to beat on somebody when they're down the ACC has only one winless team. The Virginia Cavaliers. Yeah. Uh, who can win this week? Because they get an equally bad Boston College team. What is that? Yeah, we're having technical difficulties. Oh, I thought you were playing like a sound effect or something there. It sounded like the ocean. I don't know what's <laughs> it did. Yeah. It did sound like. I thought, you know, we were talking about the Atlantic Coast Conference. You were playing some sort of sound effect there for the for the ACC or teams drowning in the ocean. I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, kudos to the ACC. Florida State, Louisville, Duke, Carolina, uh, Syracuse, and Miami, all 4-0 and going into – this weekend and you know you've even got some three and ones Wolfpack off of their win over Virginia uh Wake Forest that was a bad loss for them lost to Georgia Tech I mean Georgia Tech's okay but that was that was a bad I think it was at home too that's a bad loss for Coach Clawson and, and company there so all right there you go uh that was kind of my notes on the ACC and you were right on it there uh definitely the Blue Bloods was was coming into into play on, on that one. What an interesting thing, considering we went into the season with the ACC issues of if they'll even be a conference in five. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think they've they've solidified themselves. Um, and and you know what? That's a great point too. Like we haven't talked much about that once the season started, which was which is really good. And and at the beginning of the year, we did talk about the Pac-12 and what a great start they they had gotten off to, right? I think obviously they've they've cooled. Yeah. Since um, let me look and see how many they've got. That's a good question. One, two, three, four. They still have five unbeaten teams, right? So the ACC has six unbeaten teams. The Pac-12 has five unbeaten teams. Neither of them are the ones that are coming to the ACC. In fact, Stanford is struggling at one and three, and Cal is at two and two. Um, but the Pac-12 is if they're going out. Well, they are going out. They're going out with a bang. At least at the moment, they have four teams in the top ten um, in this week's poll. They got um, Washington at seven, USC at eight, Oregon at nine, and Utah at ten. So that's pretty strong stuff for them uh, at the FBS level. FCS level, if you're asking the question, who's going to play quarterback at Richmond this week? I-, I was kidding around with Reggie, but I wasn't kidding around. I have no idea. I, I don't know. Uh uh, planning to be out of practice tomorrow morning, kind of take a look at some things. And then the one thing I did hear Coach Usman say is that by the end of practice, Wednesday and into Thursday, they would know 
who's going to start on Saturday. Now, whether they'll tell anybody or not, that's a, a whole other story. But remember, Coach Usman has his radio show. That's what I was going to say. It was, yeah, a good you knew topic I was. Yeah, come that. on, man. That was a layup. That was a slam dunk. You knew I was heading to that. Uh, so Coach Usman has his radio show Thursday at noon at the Brass Tap over there at Libby Mill Midtown. Uh, right off of Staples Mill Road, just off of Broad a little bit. Come on out and have lunch with us, talk some college football, and who knows, maybe Coach Usman will reveal it at that time, who's going to be the starting quarterback. We just need Richmond. somebody to ask the difficult questions, Bob. I, I think that question will get asked. Uh, I can pretty much tell you that one. That one's going to be asked. Like I said, don't know what the answer's going to be, uh, and they may know. It doesn't mean they're going to tell anybody, but uh, although, you know what? Their practices are open. Coach Eastman's always said that. You want to come watch practice, come sit in the stands and watch practice. They have, since he's most coaches at Richmond have never closed practice. So um, you you would have a pretty good idea. And I, I think he will tell us, actually. Uh, and I'm sure they're hoping, obviously they are, that Kyle Wickersham is healthy enough to play. Uh, it's in, one of those injuries, AJ, I've never really, not, I don't want to say I haven't heard of but not very commonplace with athletes and football players, which oblique strain. He has an oblique strain. Yeah. Like I, so it really hurts when he has to twist his upper body and, you know, torque his body. So obviously quarterback throwing motion, I think it's on his left side. Yeah. That's a pitcher thing. More yeah, pitchers get go. that, right? There you go. And, and yeah, it just kind of came out of the blue with him. So And then, you know, the backup quarterback, Jackson Hardy, had uh, sustained a concussion. He's been in concussion protocol. Don't know if he can come back by, you know, Saturday. And he's certainly not practicing right now, so his reps are going to be limited. And now you're on to the third-string quarterback, uh, the walk-on. Um, Sounds like a movie, like the beginning Ash- of a movie. Yeah, Ashton Snellsire, uh, who I didn't know much about. And John O'Connor with a wonderful story in the Times-Dispatch, and his brother, his older brother, was a pitcher at Randolph-Macon who actually got drafted into the major leagues. So it's a very athletic family. And you mentioned pitcher. The brother's a pitcher, and now you got, you know, Snellsire as a quarterback at Richmond. So pretty fascinating stuff. And the Spiders still came away with a win in that game against Stony Brook this weekend. So Hampton in 2 o'clock on Saturday. Yes, a lot of those questions will be answered at Coach's radio show, Behind the Web. Uh, hope you'll come out and have lunch with us. Food's been great. Service outstanding. They love us there. Can't wait to have us back in there on Thursday at noon. Uh, Ryan Cole is our guest this week. Big offensive lineman. Has some NFL possibility but has really been the rock of Gibraltar on that offensive line that Jasmine Coleman on the air this weekend used a great line with the injuries there, reinvented offensive line for the Spiders. Had two redshirt freshmen. You know, Ryan Cole, redshirt senior, he looks around and he sees these puppies with him on that offensive line with a couple of redshirt freshmen, and they got the job done. So we'll talk with Ryan about all of that and, and having different quarterbacks and different guys with him on the offensive line. He's a cool dude. Uh, he's our guest on Thursday. And that's that's Coach Usman's favorite uh, position group anyway is the offensive lineman. So be a big old love fest with Ryan Cole at uh, Brass Tap on Thursday at noon. We hope you will be there with us. If not, you can hear it live right here on 1061 ESPN where we wrap up the sports huddle after we take a timeout. Just past a quarter of six. Come on back and finish it up with us. Sports huddle, 1061 ESPN. This weekend, the Cowboys host Tom Brady's old team in a battle between Mac Jones and Dak Prescott. Our coverage of Cowboys Patriots begins Sunday at 345. Here on your home for the Dallas Cowboys. 1061 ESPN. 
I did it again, and somehow we have to break me of this this bad habit of um, giving our text line and then never going to the texts. Because I, I did it again, and there are a couple of really good ones up there that um, would have played at least one of them into our Damian Woody interview. So I apologize to our faithful listeners and texters because when we got to talking about Damian and you know high school at Patrick Henry, but then he went off to play college ball at Boston College, and I got a really good text. Was Damian recruited by Virginia or Virginia Tech? Why did he go to Boston College? So now there's two questions I missed in that interview. I'm I'm depressing myself more and more the more we go on here. Not a fan. I thought it was pretty good, but I missed the piano it question. Was really good. And now I missed the why didn't he go to Virginia, Virginia Tech? Why that was pretty obvious too. So thanks to our, our texter for sending that one in. And then John texted. At least I know our listeners listen closely, so I do appreciate that. Uh, Matt and I were talking about Tony Musket and Anthony Calandria, the two quarterbacks at Virginia, and both Matt and I believe Calandria should play. But John texted and said Calandria did play in week one when Musket got hurt at Tennessee. And not that I needed to confirm that because I trust and believe John, but I did this, the simple, easy thing, and I went to Virginia's stats, and Calandria has played in four games. No, yeah, I knew that, but I thought you have to start or doesn't no, count. No, no, it's just play. It's just it's just play. So he's at his he's at his limit now. So if they play him, they're, and I think that's probably what they're doing. I, I think they're probably playing him to play him at this point. I don't think they're actually worrying about it. Um, so, yeah. If he plays, he plays, that, and and they just kind of move on from there, which probably makes sense, especially at this point in in time for them. So that was um, that was another good text. I'm just checking something here on on UVA, but uh, just to make sure that number. Yeah, so he has played, and no, it's not it's not a matter of starting. It's just a matter of playing, and he would have his four games in now. So, all right. Uh, so that took care of that one. And then there was another one. Oh, on the on the Justin Verlander uh, front, um, a prediction here that he has somewhere between 26 and 30 victories left in him, which would put him in the 280 to 285 range. That's a reasonable prediction. Reasonable prediction there. Uh, so basically saying not going to get to 300, but also said first ballot Hall of Famer. I would I would agree with that. Between his World Series championship and Cy Youngs, and if he's at 280 or 285, I think he is also a first ballot um, Hall of Famer. You know, but, Bob, I, I brought up the Mets with you off when you first got on, and now that's all anyone can talk about on this show. We're not talking about the Mets now. You know, Verlander, you, you, that's in his rearview mirror. I'm not even sure it's in his rearview mirror. I'm not even sure he remembers being a Met at this point. I think he's flushed that out, AJ. Uh. Sorry, we're not talking about the Mets. We're talking about the Astros. Verlander now plays for and did play for when they won a World Series a year ago. So we're not talking about the Mets anymore, AJ. Don't worry. Not till spring training. Then you can talk about the Mets. And that was one of the funniest videos that went around that went viral on Twitter this past year. Yeah. You know which one I'm talking about? You know which one I'm talking about? You talking about the parking lot thing? No, I'm talking about the one where in spring training the Mets practiced their championship celebration. On oh the yeah, that's right. Yeah, I thought that was in the parking lot. 
No, I think it was on the field. Okay, I I, that's the one I was a, referring to. I think they were finishing up a morning workout or something, you know, in spring training before the exhibition game started. And I don't blame. I mean, they were having fun. Why not do something? But but somebody was videotaping it, and you know, it went, I wouldn't it have done viral. that. By the way, speaking of videotaping, I don't have enough time for this here. Um, but I learned on my trip to New York when I went to Yankee Stadium and we were there early before BP. They now video every BP section, and by they I mean the teams and the, the broadcast networks, just in case something happens in batting practice. They have it. Like, they're unmanned cameras, and they're just focused on the batting cage and on the field because a very nice PR person for the Yankees stopped me on the field and said, hey, can you just move a little bit? You're okay, but but we need the camera angles for batting practice. And they asked me to move just so they could get BP. Kind of crazy. So they, the camera never blinks. They got everything covered out there. Just a little nugget, something I learned. Ah, listen to that. The music is playing. <laughs> how, how well done is that? Uh, I can't wait till the last second today. See, I'm thinking about that now, AJ. Uh, really, thanks to Damian Woody, Patrick Henry High, Hall of Famer. Come Thursday night, he'll be back in um, the center of the universe, Ashland, Virginia, at Hanover Country Club, to be inducted into the Patrick Henry High Athletics Hall of Fame. We appreciate the NFL analyst for ESPN spending some time with us this afternoon and matt joseph's as well and you too aj for keeping me straight this afternoon we'll all do it all over again tomorrow jamie king with the sports king at seven big al with sports phone from eight to ten matt joseph's border to border at three and then i'll reappear at four o'clock with the next edition of the sports huddle the midweek edition wednesday at four right here on 1061 espn jamie and woody plays piano everyone the new Sharp Copter Models have